You're listening to a Radio Stockdale podcast. Podcasts that are inspiring, interactive, and feature various discussions of leadership, ethics, and law. podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker and joining me as always John Baker and today's topic is the 2022 film The Batman. So well, first of all welcome back it's been a couple of months since our last show we took yeah. a little hiatus for the summer but now we were back and try we will try to get back to our regular schedule. Yeah it's kind of nice to uh, the hiatus was a bit too long and it got me it got me out of the habit you forced me into of watching films on a regular basis and finding because you you can always find other things to do right so it'll be good to uh, have that discipline reinforced once again yes and so i wanted to do this because this movie just came out but i figured we know we did way back we did long halloween a while ago the animated film from last year and then right when the movie came out this one came out back in march we did The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. And so we took a little bit of a break, but here we are doing our third Batman movie. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, maybe we're overdoing the Batman thing, but uh, it's a good film. And, you know, it, the, 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 the tie-in, I think, just with the, the general the cast of characters and, the, and the, the feel of the story, is very much like The Long Halloween. Uh, more than yes. any of the Nolan films. And I kind of like that. I like the continuity with the with that film and with the graphic novels they're based on. You, you, if you've watched that film or read the graphic novels, you're familiar with all of these characters in the, in the uh, film. But what I think is kind of interesting is for those that aren't familiar with them, there may be some kind of shocks and surprises in this film for uh, uh, a more general audience when it comes to the backstory of... Um, uh, Bruce Wayne and his father. So I, 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 I like the film. Yeah, because I think the usually when it's the ranking of the greatest Batman stories, it's always going to either be Year One by Frank Miller, which came out like a decade before Long Halloween, and then Long Halloween. And that also influenced uh, The Dark Knight, the second of the Nolan films, and this one. And the big thing about The Long Halloween, they, which they're always pointing out in this movie, is that it's early in Batman's career, but it's not the beginning. This is year two. It's mentioned quite often in this movie. Yes. You know, there's been so many Batmans. I mean, we think of the Adam West TV show. I mean, even going back further than that, there were serials done in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. There's been so many iterations of it, but I think this one is also very, very good. If if I had to rank top films of the year, this is up there. Yeah, and I, I was, I, I guess I'm kind of jaded. I've seen so many superhero films, but Batman films even, that, you know, I kind of go into each one thinking, okay, you know, how are they going to make this fresh and, and will they succeed? And I think the, the, uh, uh, the writer and directors, producers of this film did a good job doing that. Um, uh, just by tweaking the character a little bit and and then having having the action as well as the dialogue between the the main characters uh once again go over the old ground um uh asking 
a very pointed question about the level of corruption in Gotham and what kind of an effect that would have on somebody like the Batman or people like police officers who are fighting this thing all the time and seemingly not making progress. It's kind of very hard not to fall uh, either into uh, what you might call cynicism light or cynicism heavy (laughs) Uh, after enough experience in that sort of career. Cynicism light might be something like uh, Catwoman expresses. She, she, she has basically resigned herself to the fact that this, this isn't going to change. It's unrealistic to expect it to change. So I'll either leave or kind of be a small-time criminal and, uh, as it were, uh, take advantage of the lawlessness. But I'm not going to do anything too terrible. Cynicism dark or heavy uh, would be the, the route that... Um, Uh, the organized crime figures in the film take. They see advantage. They also see the the opening for them to uh, take power, not only by corrupting government, but in in this case, the the big hook that that, uh, connects the, the citizenry to them in a dependent way and reduces them to uh, almost a a slave, uh, a slave's role is this, this drug drop, right? Uh, It's just one instance, but you know, organized crime uh, makes a lot of money addicting people to drugs, right? So you can not only uh, wield power using money, corrupting government to make sure that business doesn't dry up, but you can uh, kind of work on the demand side of that, that business and make sure you hook the citizenry into it all the time. Um, that's kind of like I said, cynicism dark. I mean, they they see this opening, they see this ability to do this because uh, the the probability is that they will not be caught in in a, in, this, in a kind of status quo. But they take the extra steps to make sure they won't be caught by corrupting, uh, bribing, whatever, uh, prominent figures in the in the city, and uh, making them beholden to them, as we see in the case of Thomas Wayne. Um, so. With that kind of an environment in mind, and it, 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 as in all Batman stories, at least a, a significant number of them, uh, with it also looking to be the case that this just isn't going to change, despite all of the efforts of well-intentioned politicians, um, that great question arises that Catwoman brings up. Why stay? And if you are going to stay how can you live with the fact that your efforts are going to be more than likely futile in the future just as futile as they have been in the past and not only that you yourself admit she says to some extent and he probably is thinking this at any rate um, because of the narrative we hear um it's it's not just that it's kind of a status quo bad city. It's getting worse. And it might be getting worse because of your efforts, right? Because you're kind of playing this vigilante role, which is basically a big public admission by uh, on the part of the police department and the government, the guys that aren't corrupting it, by the way. There's a significant number of them that are. 
But it's at least an admission on the part of Gordon that, uh, you know, they can't handle it. So they're, they're, they're approving vigilante, vigilante behavior. So how are you any different than the drug kingpins and so forth? And, you know, aren't you just perpetuating this kind of lawless society? And that's a great question. And you, you out, out, because of that corruption, you kind of have the two classes of vigilantes. You get Batman, but as you know, Batman always has the strict code. Main, the main thing is he never kills. Yeah. He doesn't, use, doesn't even use guns. I, mean, I think there was even one scene when him and Gordon are investigating a place. Gordon's got a gun out. And Batman says, no guns. He's like, well, that's your rule. That's not mine. Something <laughs> along like that. But he, yeah. he doesn't guns, no killing. He's, by working with Gordon, he's still working as an extension of the Gotham Police Department. He's still working on the side of law. Or he doesn't take it into his own hands. When he beats up the bad guys, he's eventually either scaring them off yeah. or sending them to jail. Yes. Or Arkham. Yes. But on the other hand, which you reveal with the Riddler, is the Riddler's taking his own kind of vigilante justice. All his victims are in, in some ways you could almost say have it coming to them. Yeah. They exploited the lo- they did the lowest thing possible in exploiting orphans. Yeah. Exploiting children and using taking money that was meant for them to help them have a better life and using it for their own corruption to use crime, racketeering, drugs, etc. Yeah. And you because you see people are responding almost positively to the Riddler. You see at, at the funeral, people are wearing his disguise and, you know, having all these slogans about the rich and the powerful in Gotham. Yeah. And he has his own mass online followers and saying, like, we got to, you know, we got to clean up. We got to clean up this city. But what's what one of the kind of the flaws I have with I mean, I love this movie. One of the mm-hmm. things I'm not quite sure is he's only targeting people who did this to him. Part of the renewal fund. But at the end. He, what's he doing? He's setting off bombs throughout the entire city yeah. and also endangering people who had nothing to do with it, the innocent. So it has this thing of now you're just punishing everybody. You're not just what you were doing is single out people who did this horrible yeah. thing. Now you're just going after everybody. And that's when his, I know it sort of doesn't quite, it, it felt like the movie was saying, okay, we can't have him too sympathetic. We have to have him doing typical bad guy stuff like endangering an entire city. Yeah. Um, but the other, I, I think the other explanation might be this. Um, there's a, a portion of the dialogue where he's talking uh, with Batman about the, mm-hmm. the, this issue. And he says, and he does a great job of this contrast, by the way. He says, look, you lost your parents and you were the poor orphan, the poor abandoned orphan well, in the I media. I will say we don't quite know and, if he knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. Well, that's true. He's talking about Bruce Wayne. That's true. Um, Meanwhile, you know, so there's all this sympathetic media coverage. And here's the key thing. The citizens feel compassion for this this character and so forth and so on. And they feel like they're doing good and, and, and feeling the pity and compassion, perhaps even helping poor little Bruce Wayne. Well, he's not really an orphan in the in the... Uh, in the technical sense, he is, but in, in the kind of full-blooded sense of being abandoned, he isn't. And I think he holds the citizenry, the average citizenry, uh, to blame for being basically hypocritical and not giving a damn 
about the uh, orphans that were in his particular orphanage. And I think he tells the story of one having, actually having lost his life due to the neglect that occurred after um, the funds were basically dried up. Well, guess where the funds came from? Citizens, right? They're making donations to the, um, what's the name of the fund? The Renewal Fund. Yeah. They're making a, donations to the Renewal Fund. So, you know what? They're superficial at best in their compassion for fellow human beings. Um, you know what? I am vengeance. Notice he says that mm-hmm. after Batman had said it earlier. Um, I'm going to take it out on them because in some way or another, they're not morally blameless in this scenario. Now, yeah, that's twisted sociopathic logic, but it makes some certain amount of sense, mm-hmm. and I think that might be why they did that. Uh, but I have to admit, watching it, I, I, I had that same reaction you had. It's like, oh, no, no, don't make it too easy on us to see him as a bad guy here because he is they're putting a lot of effort i think in in his character into his character to portray him as being the leader of the kinds of movements we have been seeing in history since or certainly the 20th century um uh, most recently kind of uh, these these radical groups in the american political um environment that are on the right or on the left who basically condone this kind of behavior and they do uh, conspire in the darkest corners of uh, not uh, not only physical corners maybe in buildings or someplace like this or homes or something but in the darkest corners of the internet and they do a good job i think of portraying him as a leader of one such movement. Yeah, you, right? you, you watch that, you know, we see the video of him and getting all these people to rise up against him and performing this attack. You can't help but somewhat think of current events, mainly the January 6th riot. Yeah, happened. yeah. And uh, even going farther back, uh, you know, there, there have been uh, what's, in, in, I think, interesting about, I would have, this kind of came to mind as I was watching this one. Um, you know, I, I think we're approaching... I don't think it's as bad as it was in the 70s and 60s, but we're approaching a, 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 a not a tipping point, but a, a level of that kind of radicalism in modern American society that uh, um, really hasn't been there, there to that strong a degree until you go back about 50 years ago. And I would have... This reminded me of a, a 70s area movie for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have loved to seen it. It might have been a, a kind of a bridge too far in terms of plausibility, but I would have loved to see them um, kind of recreate this, the, the political environment in the 1960s and 70s or place the story at that time period. Um, I don't know if it would have worked or not. Well, but you think Batman 60s, you're going to think of Adam West. Adam West, West right. right. Well, and it would have made Riddler a much more likable character, though, because uh, it would have been Frank Gorshin, right? Yeah, he would have worn that goofy uh, jumpsuit. Yes. But yeah, I have to say this, just in general, just an observation about how ba- the Batman stories have evolved. They've gotten darker and darker and darker. Um, you know, even... I, I kind of miss the... 
happy-go-lucky, silly Batman. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Well, there is but, something like the Lego Batman. That's that's yeah. true. That's true. But um, um, but still, that's an interesting exploration of that. You know, these 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 movements. They're kind of evangelical in a way, and and they're and they're uh, millenarian in a way. They they think they can bring on through the use of violence. Uh, radical positive changes in society and uh, inevitably they don't they end up leading leading to a lot of um, suffering and I like the fact they explored that uh, with 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 the Riddler character and you know I guess to their credit I mean they, they do show us in that last evolution of him when he just goes crazy and decides he's going to take out the citizenry. Um, that's not uncommon in those kinds of movements. I mean, just think of Nazi, Nazi Germany, how they treated the countries they would invade. Think about how, how China uh, and North Korea treat their own citizenry. Um, you can see it. You know, that, that zeal leads to atrocity. And the people that uh, undertake those atrocities often think they're doing good. They don't see the evil in what they do. And, and to some extent, that, that's the Riddler. That's the Riddler. He is so far gone. I mean, Arkham ain't going to help him. Ar- Arkham doesn't help any of these guys. I, I think they need, just need to shut Arkham down and shoot all these bad guys out into orbit and have done with it. But <laughs> well, <they'll> <laughs> then you won't have any sequels. They'll still somehow find a way to get back. Yeah, that's because probably it's true. It's Batman. Yeah. But... um. It is interesting when he has that inter- in interrogation with Batman. For the longest time, he thinks the Batman was on his side. Like yes. The whole riddle about the rat being brought into the light about Falcone. And when Falcone gets shot, right, Batman's about to take him to prison. He thought Batman was zip, yeah. setting him up on him a silver platter. Yeah. And I think because the beginning when he Batman beats up those guys on the subway, they're assaulting that person. Yeah, so, you know, the, it was in the trailer line. He says, what are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. And he beats him up. Yeah. But when he does that, the guy he just saved is still afraid of him. He says, please don't hurt me. Yeah. And I think that line is brought back as he's beating up one of the Riddler's followers. If you recognize yes. him, he was at the funeral bit talking about the rich people and how they don't care about the poor in Gotham. He says, I'm vengeance. And I think that's when yeah. Batman sort of has the light bulb go on where it's saying... I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing enough. It's not just enough to strike fear in the hearts of criminals yeah. being this hero. And that's when he decides to risk his life to stop that electrical wire from electrocuting people down by the water. Yeah. And what I, what I did notice, because he's always looking at the son of the mayor that was killed. Yes. And he, which Obvious did, flashback. Yeah, yeah, and I was thinking, when I was watching the movie for the first time, I was like, oh, God, we're not going to have to see his parents getting killed again for the millionth they time. They don't no, do it. Because they, they, they It's know understated. You know the it works in this one, I but think. We know but he's fearing that kid's going to become him. Yes. And I think what I do enjoy is when he's trying to get those people to help him, everybody's hesitant, but that kid comes first. First, yeah. And that is when everybody starts yeah. to trust him, and then he has that monologue about sort of realizing what he needs to yes. be for the city. Yeah. Uh, one 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 thing I think he realizes, and uh, he he doesn't quite answer the charge, but uh, he probably I'll put it this way: he, he realizes at, at at that end toward the end of the film, um, maybe I need to change my uh, my mission statement or my my mantra. I am not vengeance. There is a distinction between what I do uh, 
and what somebody like the Riddler does, what he does, yeah, it's just purely vengeance, wanting to extract pain from those pe- uh, people that he believes have, has done him wrong. Um, I'm really not that. I'm justice, or I'm attempting to serve justice, and I'm also attempting to serve some other uh, virtues, as it were, chief one among them being compassion. And that's, that's, I think, the message with the kid. He realizes, I have to be careful in how I play this role. And this goes for anybody that is in a role that uh, makes use of violence in the interests of justice or, or providing security. I have to do it in such a way that it does not traumatize permanently the very people that we're attempting to serve. And that is that very subtle message, I think, that comes through with the kid. And he sees himself in that kid, fortunately without the obvious flashbacks that we would, were expecting to see for the 500,000th time in a, in a Batman movie. But it's very effective because you know he sees him at first after the murder had occurred in his house and he sees that kid is in shock and you're right uh, uh, that it's kind of a pivotal point for him he says yeah i gotta be careful here uh i'm not merely vengeance um, vengeance doesn't save the city yeah it doesn't uh, it's a natural emotion you're gonna have and it's appropriate uh, directed at certain people that do certain things but uh, it has to be only, as it were, a motivator. It cannot be the end state toward which you are working. The end state toward which you are working has to be a just society, a moral society, a compassionate society. And uh, he sees that at the end. Now, at the same time, uh, I'm curious if they'll develop this further. He, he must also see... I don't think he's changed his mind about this, that it may very well never happen that that society is sufficiently righted. Gotham is a mess. It's always a mess in these stories, an irredeemable mess. So you have to ask yourself, he has to ask himself that question. Um, are we still obligated in that kind of a situation? Am I still obligated? Is Gordon still obligated? Are these politicians that seem to come up in waves who are idealistic and indecent people but end up getting corrupted, um, are we all still obligated to make that attempt to create this just society out of this horrible uh, building material that is Gotham? And... uh, um, how can we continue uh, in terms of just our own psychological, emotional, and moral health? How can we continue to make the effort to build this with that possible futility in mind? That's the question. Uh, Catwoman has one answer to that. She just thinks you, you can't do it. So it might be best to remove yourself from that society let it fend for itself. He says he can't do that, right? And, you know, maybe it's a, an inheritance of, 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 from his father because his father was always a philanthropist, not a perfect human being. 
by any means. Uh, none of the people that seem to be decent people in this film, the DA, the mayor, none of them are completely flawless and morally perfect individuals. They've all got serious flaws. But in every one of those cases, they nevertheless, on the whole, do want to serve that higher purpose. And that that distinguishes that whole cast of characters from the bad guys in the film, the bad guys in the Batman universe. They don't give a flip about all that. They just want to create chaos, or in the case of uh, um, uh, the Riddler, exact for revenge for perceived wrongs. And it does not matter whether the people he attacks in so doing are either completely innocent or at best marginally guilty. Um, So I think that's a neat contrast. This film does a very good job drawing for us. I would say even one person who I don't think is perfect is even Bruce Wayne. Because I think by being, he's almost addicted to being the Batman, where he's completely neglected his Bruce Wayne side. Yeah. And you think that if he, because you see... The mayor's called him out for, like, your parents are very active in philanthropy. You haven't done anything. You know, Gordon, uh, not Gordon, Alfred is consistently on him for not making appearances, showing up to important business meetings. And you feel that if he was being able to find that way to split those halves, that he would have picked up on the corruption that was going on with this renewal fund that was started by his father. And that yeah. he might have been able to stop this and maybe even prevented somebody like the Riddler from coming on in the first place. Yeah, he's neglected his stewardship responsibilities as Bruce Wayne. And you know what? That's kind of interesting in this film. Because like you said, most of the other films, uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman puts a lot of effort into his Bruce Wayne role. And you can't accuse him of retreating from it. Uh, this one you can. And he's kind of this brooding, almost gothic teen version of bruce wayne he needs to haircut first of all Mm -hmm. that that hair is driving me nuts um but i kind of like that it's it's a little bit of a development of a bruce wayne character in a way that hasn't been done before he's he's he is retreating from the world in a way and uh driving his older more wise um compatriots batty uh i had to say that in so doing. Now, what I would like to see them develop in the uh, follow-on film here, which you know is going to happen, uh, is perhaps him growing up to that uh, in that way. And uh, as it were, it's kind of a silly way to put it, but I'll do it anyway. Joining the adult world that his dad did join and taking up that mantle be very interesting. I don't think they could pull this off, but it would be very interesting to see Bruce Wayne enter politics while still remaining Batman. Something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give this character a, a further arc of development, because I, I don't want him to be static in, in, in gothic teen Bruce Wayne in, in round two. I want to see him change. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they'll do that. And one thing I did want because we're getting close to the end of my questions, one thing I did want to wrap, say before we started wrapping up was you talked earlier about how you know this film is 
feels like a 70s film. And that that's definitely on purpose because the director, Matt Reeves, said stated that, you know, he was taking influence particularly from something like Chinatown. Yeah. Or even Hitchcock movies or the David Fincher film Seven, which was from the 90s, but still has that aesthetic. Yeah. And one thing I did feel a part that was a little bit too old-fashioned was the whole idea of Carmine Falcone, this Capone-esque mob boss that has his fist controlling the entire city. And anybody who knows anything about organized crime, particularly the Italian mafia, knows that they don't have anywhere near that power anymore. The Capone did, yes, but that was 100 years ago. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. there is organized crime, yes, but they don't hold that influence. And if there's crime and corruption, it's mostly local gangs or different sort of corrupt businesses or corporations that have their hands into everything, not necessarily a mob boss. Yeah, well, and, and the reason I think that is is because there is is an ongoing thread through most Batman fiction that Gotham has reached the pinnacle of corruption. And the pinnacle of corruption would be more like you see uh, with uh, Falcone um, and Al Capone. They've got very close to actually taking over control of cities, uh, not only merely in the political sense, but even in the infrastructure sense. You could not travel certain parts of Chicago, for instance, without having proper clearance, as it were. And you see that in, you know, other parts of the world, too. There's areas that are dominated by terrorist groups like Al-Shabaab or something like that, where they literally... with the cartels. Yeah, they have control of, uh, as it were, the political units of these societies. So that's the explanation. Now, you know, there there are parts of the war where things have devolved from that peak, so to speak. You know, things, as it were, centralized control has dissolved in these uh, kind of organized crime uh, entities. And then you, you do have developing local cells of control, right? That might be a way they could take this um, after the death of Falcone, right? And, and, and then you're going to have localized mob bosses uh, controlling parts of Gotham, and maybe it becomes balkanized. Whew. I don't know how they're going to yeah. take that and develop the story, but that's a that's a potential next step. Yeah, it's just, yeah. that's kind of what sort of happens in the storyline of No Man's Land. It's mm-hmm. basically Gotham's No Man's Land. And so yeah. different Joker controls certain areas. You have the Penguin controls certain areas. Batman's gone missing. Nobody really knows where he is, but in that case, Gordon... And the police basically become a military and start taking over sections one by one. And there's even talk about even using lethal force by some of them to start killing people and strike fear into the other crime syndicates. Yes. Uh, You know what? That's a big tell at the end of this film, then. You're mentioning this. Well, what do they show us? Joker. Yucking it up with with, uh, The the Riddler. You got the Penguin. You got the Penguin. And you have Batman at the end there realizing, I've got to do more than just be vengeance. I've, I've, I've got to, I've got to uh, uh, help the society here. So maybe he will I've, du- redouble his efforts to be Bruce, I do retire Batman, and maybe it'll develop. And I that's what they're looking at to he doing could, here. As Bruce Wayne, he appeals to Washington for aid for Gotham, yeah. and they turn him down. Okay, so and that's so it's, how he's it, on his own. Shut off, okay. but then of course I have to spoil the storyline. But I know at the end, uh, Lex Luthor 
comes. Oh no, in. not Lex yeah. Luthor. Oh yeah, because it's DC Comics. They have Superman even shows up and he tries to help, but Batman sort of shows him the folly because you know Superman's the eternal optimist, yeah, human yeah. human nature, and he and so he thinks I just got to go in and set things right. Batman shows him <laughs> around as he. And, Superman heroes. Okay, you you got this. I'll, I'll leave you alone. <laughs> I hope they don't go that route. Yeah, keep it in the Batman universe only. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm 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 thinking uh, they might be developing it. What was the name of that? No man's no land. man's land. They may be very well using that as source material, as they kind of did with the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and the the Long Halloween. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, anything else you want to bring up before we sign off? No, nothing I can think of other than I, I did like, uh, just in terms of uh, uh, good filmmaking, I was really impressed with the car chase sequence. Oh, that yes. thing was amazing. Yes, um, this is, I got to give credit to Matt Reeves. He also did the last two Planet of the Apes movies. He did a Cloverfield and a horror film called Let Me In. So he's done some good work. So this is a really good movie. Yeah, he's a, he's a I, I good agree. Filmmaker. Very pleasant surprise. I was going in, like I said, kind of jaded. No, oh, here's another Batman movie. But uh, they did enough different things with the characters that it, it kept my interest. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. You can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcasts, Real Sounds, rich episodes dedicated to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at thesoundofcinema.podomatic.com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker saying, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs>